This episode of The Get Down is brought to you by Digital Music Pool. Digital Music Pool is the ultimate record pool for professional DJs looking for the hottest tracks and exclusive hits updated daily in an easy-to-use platform. You can find exclusive edits from myself, Cream, Adam B., Andrew Marks, Angela the Kid, Chumpian, Castra, and Pat C., only on DMP, and we're giving you a chance to try their service for just $9.99 for the first month and $24.99 each additional month. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes or on the Get Down or Cream Instagram pages, create an account, and enter the promo code CREAM at checkout for your discounted month. DMP is my go-to site when downloading new music, so become a member for just $9.99 for the first month with the code CREAM. You will not be disappointed. Click the link in the show notes or on the Get Down or Cream Instagram pages to sign up now. What's up, guys? Thanks for listening to the Get Down podcast. If you enjoy what you hear and you think other DJs could benefit from the things that we talk about on the show, we would greatly, greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen to it. It's much appreciated. Thanks, guys. What's up, guys? Welcome to the 109th episode of The Get Down, presented by Digital Music Pool. My name is Cream. Gary W. here. And we're back. Exciting, interesting, kind of crazy weekend. I, 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 um, this wasn't even going to be talked about, actually, until about, I don't know, 15 <laughs> seconds ago, we decided to, uh, we, we kind of reviewed our weekend quickly, and I was like, actually, a lot of stuff happened that... We didn't even really recap or talk about because of uh, the amount of things that we've had going on uh, Monday, and now it's it's Tuesday here. So um, I don't know. Let's let's. <laughs> I got a really funny text from you on on uh, Friday saying I'm never playing at this place again because of this incident that happened. But I could tell it's just like a knee jerk cream text reaction. Just furious. Just furious. Absolutely furious and <laughs> protecting of his. Uh, his laptop, his baby, obviously. So uh, <laughs> I don't even know the story at all, but get into it. So, you know, when, when I choose my gigs, as DJ Cream, there, I, I would choose gigs in a certain way. But as an owner of Get Down DJ Group, I, you know, I think it's important that Gary and I go and play certain venues that we work with if it makes sense financially, if they're willing to, to pay our rates and stuff. Right. Because it, the venue appreciates, right? It, it it fully ingrains us further with the venue. So I think it's something that you and I do every month where one of us will go play a new room or play a room we haven't played in a long time Yeah, just to show some love. It's something that we've, uh, at the end of the year last year, we decided to put a little onus on for uh, 2023 because it does, it does make management. It does make ownership feel... Warm and fuzzy on the inside. Yeah, I mean, they're good rooms, the, too. So it's not they're, like... They're, they're great rooms. I think all the rooms that, that you and I play are great rooms. Um, we don't have many rooms that aren't good. They, there's no bad rooms, right? There's All of the rooms are good in some way. Right. Um, so that's kind of why we'll, we'll go out and just make sure that we're able to go play these rooms and like check what the, how the equipment is, check how the sound is. And then we can have firsthand experience in going back to ownership and management and be like, well, you know, this is where we can improve. I personally played here last week or two weeks ago. And, you know, I, I think we can have improvement here and there. And I feel like that kind of solidifies getting the ball rolling when things do need to get done. Right. We need a longer wire. We need a, we need <laughs> to replace a microphone. Little, little things we need like a that. new booth monitor, like all those little things that, create a better experience for our DJs right. who maybe aren't you know, able to just say, hey, Cream Gary, we need to do this or we should do this kind of thing. Where you and I are like, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing it this way? Right. We need to do it this way. Right. Sometimes it, things are you know, told to us and it, it, it either misses us or you know, it gets put on the back burner and it gets forgotten about or right. something gets ordered and just doesn't get to where it's going. But anyway, so you're playing uh, at, at so, this game. So I'm playing in this room and it's a very young crowd. It's like college vibes, you know? Uh, and it's going early. You're, I, I get on the set at 11 and it's, it's, it's jumping, you know? So maybe an hour into the set, I, out of the corner of my eye, I see like a group of customers who are jumping on a drop and like their drinks are going in the air. I'm like, oh God, this reminds me of when I used to play like Princeton Spring Fest at like the frats and sororities. 
So I, I don't really think anything other of it other than like, oh man, it's gonna be one of those kind of nights. So little did I know, maybe 15 minutes later on another drop, I just feel wetness cross my, the left side of my body. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And I look down, the controller has drink spilled all over it. Oh. I go to look at my computer. My computer, the whole right side of my computer has drink all over it. And I'm instantly like furious, brand new 4,400 hour computer or whatever it is. You know, I haven't had any incidents like this. And my immediate reaction is to shut the music off and go to reach for a microphone, but there is no microphone. So I lowered the music and I yelled to the security guard who stands at the stage like, yo, somebody just threw a drink all over my equipment and all over my computer. Other venues, I would have gotten on the mic and be like, yo, who just threw a drink at me? Because it's all over my $4,000 computer. Jeez. Like, raise your hand right now. <laughs> and like, make a scene out of it. Because I think it's important that we have to like, we have to uh, address these situations. Like, it's not okay for someone to do that. And right. I think- Shutting the music off and saying something on the microphone really lets everyone know like, oh man, the DJ's really pissed, like not cool. It's not something that should have ever happened. I think something that gets overlooked by patrons is, and especially younger patrons, is the fact that equipment is expensive. And if that's a gig on a Friday night, like, and your your computer craps out, you're losing a like thousands of dollars right. the rest of the weekend. Like I think that is that's completely overlooked in some places. Also, our equipment in certain venues aren't safeguarded, if you will. They're not as safe as they are in, let's say, a nightclub that you have a, a, a DJ booth that's kind of away from the crowd. Those younger, more college-driven places, the DJ is always a little closer. It creates that experience where, like, you're feeding off the, the direct energy. From, right, like, we're on a stage, crowd. and there's like, a barrier, the whole nine. Yeah, but. it's it's there. It's there, but... I, I just feel like sometimes they like the crowd to be a little closer and it, just for optics standpoint. I um, actually like the crowd closer too. Absolutely. Like I want to be able to high five somebody yeah. while I'm DJing. Yeah. Like I love that. Yeah. That reminds me, it just reminds me of, of playing in, at, at the college bars when I was younger. Um, like I, I was just thinking about our frat house and like how crazy the basement would get in the frat house. But they, we built, we literally built a DJ booth under the stairs. So we like had it, I was protected because if I wasn't, they would be like, I would never have equipment because yeah. it would be just nutty all the time. But those rooms are great. There's a lot of fun. I mean, it's the reason why Girl Talk used to have, like, if you go back in, in the day and look at Girl Talk's um, computer, it was like a, I think it was like a Panasonic, one of those that like you could drop down a flight of stairs. Yeah. But it was for the reason that he knew shit was going to get thrown all right. over it. Um, so it's kind of like knowing, knowing the crowd that you're dealing with and trying to figure out a way to protect yourself, but also not being too over the top of it. The computer has been okay. Knock on wood. <laughs> I played, you know, the rest of that night and then two more gigs this weekend with no issues. I did my best. Let's, we'll see what happens. <laughs> that venue might be getting a, a bill in the mail, an invoice for a, a computer repair potentially, but. So then the, so then the next night I'm playing. <laughs> Um, I have probably the craziest set that I've had at this venue, and I play this venue all the time, slammed, like shoulder to shoulder, and people pressed up against the DJ booth, which is elevated, so everybody kind of sits kind of head level at the top of the DJ booth, but pressed up against it all night long. It took me an hour to figure out how I'm going to get to the bathroom and get back because there was no bouncers in sight, and I couldn't get to them or anything. I put on an eight-minute song, figuring plenty of time. I got back with a minute left. Like, it was that jam. You got to download some of those piss place. break. Uh, Frankie Steele has some. I know Club Killers puts out some. It never came to mind to be like, oh, like, this is going to actually take me this long. Right, right, right. In this room, <laughs> in this room, like, I can get away with playing uh, classic, like, really classic house music, like those eight to 10 and 13-minute songs, and I can run them out and, and it like still Thunder works. Like Thunderpuss, Hex yeah. Hector, all yeah, the classic all that stuff. So like it works, but um, so I got back with like a minute left. It just kind of like highlighting how crazy it was. I, I, I was having my girl's the bartender there. So she like is handing people like drinks to hand to me. And I, I didn't notice this until like later on. I'm like, my, my jaw was really tight during the set. I had drank like a half a Red Bull. I thought maybe that was it. 
And then I got home and I just had like music playing over and over in my head. <laughs> now listen, I had DJed for 13 hours. That could be it too. But I'm like, I was tingly. I'm like, I think I got drugged. Like, I think somebody dropped a little E in my drink. I'm like, <laughs> I had one of the greatest sets I had of probably the year, easily, hands down, not even close. So good to the point that like, was playing a, a track and I dropped the track out for 45 seconds and the crowd sang every single word for 45 seconds. I could have just shut the song off and they would have just sang the whole thing. <laughs> what and I song been was fine. it? It was Killing Me Softly, but wow, like with that okay. dope intro, um, with the acapella intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just like played like the first like two seconds of it and everybody heard it and then they just started singing and I just slammed it out. It was that kind of night. And so it was like a lot of energy. And then coming off of that, I don't know if it was a natural high or if somebody actually drugged me. I, I was talking to Doug. He's like, are you on mushrooms? I'm like, no, I swear I didn't do anything. Man. He's <laughs> like, dude, you sound messed up. But like, yeah, it was kind of hard to sleep that night. That's kind of like, scary. This is interesting because like if- what if, if it I, was, what if it was something else that, like, was, that really like knocked you out? If or? I really got drugged, if it was like GHB or something like- there's no, like, you're going to pass out. There's no coming back from that. So, like. Listen, I've been drugged and have passed out, not during a gig. Thank God. We could we could talk about that story another day, but <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me. And I woke up and I was like, what the hell happened? But you, you have to kind of, uh, so the, the moral of the story is, like, you know, if somebody's giving you a drink, like, you should be aware. Know who they are. Trust them. It's It's not good. If you're going to leave the booth for eight minutes to go take a piss, like don't leave your drink out because yeah. you just don't know. There's some weirdos out there. You just don't know. Um, and like I said, there was people on top of that booth the entire night. Yeah. So like people had access because they could just, you know, you have just access to, to to reaching over and whatnot. So I've always been leery of like the customer who's like, yo, you're killing it and brings you a drink or is like, hey, I'll like, take my drink. I'm leaving or something right. like I I don't know. Unless I really know somebody, I'm not taking a drink from somebody. Yeah, it's it happens a lot at this venue because how it gets framed at the bar, I feel like sometimes with the bartenders, is yeah. like, it, you want to request, buy the DJ a drink. That's kind of how they do it. Yeah. And then it, it kind of it benefits benefits the DJ. Like, if you're going to have a couple drinks, it, you know, there's no, a customer I get it. buying I get it, it for, for you. Sure. And then that bartender is also getting tipped on top of it. So, like, it's making the venue money. Um, no, I get at, it. At the same time. But um, so that was that was Saturday night. And then we went into Sunday. And I think we both, yeah, we both gigged on Sunday. And there was this expectation that we were going to have an excellent, excellent Sunday because it was, what, Pres President's Day yesterday. And um, we had a really good Columbus Day. Uh, that Sunday night was excellent, if I remember correctly, in October. And then in January, we had MLK, and I think it was pretty solid. I wasn't up for that um, on the 19th, I believe that was. And I don't think I was here for that. They all blur together to me. I think that <laughs> one, I think that one, if I remember correctly, was pretty good. Nice, solid uh, night all around. Um, so we staffed, and uh, we staffed every place that we have, um, and it wound up kind of falling flat, right? one of our DJs hopped around and his story was like every single bar in Hoboken. And um, you kind of could just see it in the background that it just wasn't as busy as it should have been. And, but you have to safeguard against it actually being crazy because, you know, you had a good Columbus, you had a good MLK, like, well, we have to do, we have to just staff for presidents just in case. Yeah, I mean, those parties could be good sometimes. You never really know. But yeah, you have to have a DJ for them, for sure. That's when like 4th of July falls on like a Sunday. That's all extra money stuff, Monday, you know? It's all extra money. It As is. a DJ, you go in with no expectation. You hope it's going to be a good night. If you're at a place that's selling bottles, hopefully you can help bring some friends out, maybe right. sell a table, yeah. you know, which will kind of ingrain you with the with the venue a little more to help the the overall team for the night. And if it's a slow night, it's a slow night. You made money on a night you normally might not make money. So that's how I would look at that for sure. Yeah, my set, I walked in. There was probably like 40 people in the bar. And so my my kind of the way I approached it was like, okay, well, let me try to engage each group that I see. Because it was like groups of people, like six to eight, I would say, was the normal size. So I was like, if I can, if I can figure out what the table on the right wants, the group in front of me and the two tables on my left, yeah. play a song that I think each one of those groups wants to hear, and I kind of figured it out, and then I actually brought pretty much the entire place together to dance for about two hours, and they all got to know each other, and they were buying each other drinks, so that was super dope. 
and like this place is huge and um to have like those 30 30 of the 50 people in the bar dancing that's a successful night to me yeah right for sure and and the the management appreciated that and you know and then as it died out i still got cut 30 minutes early and that was fine yeah on those slower nights it's really, really important to find those little pockets of, of dancers or people who are feeling the music because you have to really go all in on those people first, hoping that their energy and, and them being out on the dance floor will attract other people to get out on right. the dance floor. So yeah, you definitely have to find those pockets and feed into those pockets. And it might not be the style of music that the, ve- the venue would right. normally That's play. That's what I was dealing with, yeah. You have to be okay with like taking a left-hand turn and feeding into who's in the room and what they're reacting to because at the end of the day, that's gonna make the venue the, their money and that's gonna keep the people there. If you're playing music that that group is not into, they wanna dance, they're gonna go somewhere else to find the place that is playing that music so that they can dance. Right, I felt like these people that, a lot of the people that were out on Sunday weren't people who hang out at that particular venue. I don't know if that's how it was across the board, but I, I felt like it, it wasn't the, the their typical clientele. So I was going to have to go and play different music than usually gets played there. Yeah. It being my first night there, I was a little skeptical about it. But I was like, you know what? I'm here to do a job and keep people in the room, and I'm going to do that until somebody tells me to shut the music yeah. up, shut, change the style of music. I think overall, even even on a regular Friday or Saturday night, right? Maybe you get catch a snowstorm night or a really cold night, and your venue's a little slower. You can't play that room the, the same way that you would normally play it right. because you're used to playing a room that fits 600 people that has 600 people in it. But when you're playing a room that fits 600 people and there's only 200, you kind of have to approach it a little differently. Those big EDM drops might not work right away. You have to you have to pull them in with something else sometimes. I always find myself playing more hip hop and pop music on slower nights, at least at the start of the night until people get drunk, you reel them in and you get them on, you get them going on the dance floor. Then you could pick up that energy. But I think you have to approach those nights a little differently. That is kind of what I just reeled them in. And then I, I still played, even though it was, you know, there was only 30 (coughs) people or 40 people. I still played a bunch of peak hour music just to kind of keep them around. For sure. You know, it's, it's reeling them in. That was actually what we were doing. I like had a good rapport with the crowd where like I, I did like the reel, reel them in thing and that's what they were all doing. They're like, oh, we got another group, you know, and they were all like, looking at me, another group, they got them in. So like- That's funny. It was it was a lot of fun, um, even with a, a smaller crowd for sure. But um, yeah, I think we should, let's transition into uh, our kind of our first topic. Like I said, we weren't even supposed to get that deep into what we did this weekend, <laughs> but it was more eventful than, than, yeah, than we, we thought. thought. So yeah, so I think in talking to some of our DJs and just stuff that's happening in our lives and our business, there's there's certain ways to approach making a big decision, right? And a lot of times as DJs, I think the first thing, decisions that we have to make a lot of times are, hey, I'm playing at this one venue, but another venue wants me to play at their place. Right. And Oftentimes they're competitors and maybe the owner or the booker or the promoter doesn't want you playing at both. Both. So you have to pick and choose which venue you're going to play out. And it's one of the harder decisions we have to make as DJs. So I really wanted to get into what are some of the things that you would do in making a big decision like this? Uh, so the number one thing, and we have talked about this before, but obviously if you're a new listener, you, this is this is a good uh, topic to rehash. Um I think the number one thing is is you rely on your support system. That's first, first and foremost, right? My my professional support system is Cream first, right? Like he's my first call. What do I do in this situation? Um, yeah, same. And and like you know, how can we? Let's work through. Let's talk through. You know, the pros and cons of what what this decision is going to do for me professionally, right? Yeah. So that's that's going to be number one for my professional side. And then on a personal side of things, depending on if it's not just a gig related thing on a personal side of things, then you go to probably your significant other, your family. Um, and then like your good friends also, if that's, you know, cream's obviously, uh, my best friend and person I talk to the most. So like, then it's like, okay, let's take off the entertainment hat and put on, you know, the personal hat and, and go work through those same things. Um, so I think that's number one is talking to all of those people, finding the right people to talk to who are going to give you the information that 
you need to make a successful and good decision. You don't want to be, you don't want the yes person in your life, right? That person that always says yes, 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 right. yes, right? You need somebody that's going to give you the hard facts of it. You know, I have uh, another friend of mine who comes to mind that like, he doesn't give a shit what I want to hear. You know, he's going to say that's a bad decision because of this. This is a good decision because yeah, you of need that. those people in your those life. Those people for sure. are very, very important. So it's first of all, it's, it's your support system. I'll kind of let you get into if if you want to expound upon that or or what the second thing would be. No, I I think just expounding upon that. You know, who are the people in your life that maybe run a successful business or are entrepreneurs? And kind of go through some of the similar things that we go through. You know, DJ Cream is an entrepreneur and a, and a business in itself, right? So when I'm making DJ Cream decisions, I go and talk to the people who I think run successful businesses, right? Or people who I trust, people who I think are smart. And you kind of collect these people and you need these people. It's really important that you have these people in your life, right? Whether it's a mentor, whether it's a friend who runs a business, you need two or three people that you really trust and you value their opinion and you think that they're as as smart or smarter than you when it comes to business. Right. All those different perspectives are very important. Yeah. And then obviously like talking to my girlfriend, talking to my family, because that affects our decisions in our business affect the people that we love and care about right. most. And it's like, all right, well, I have to make sure that this is something that we can work through together as a couple, as a family. And, and I think those are the two most important ones. And I think, you know, just to kind of, yeah. Just continue with what you said. But so this, the second point would be asking the right questions. Ask a lot of questions, right? Yeah. Think about it. Don't make a quick decisions. Don't make a quick decision. Write out all these questions. Write out, you know, how long is the set time? How do I get paid? When do I get paid? How much do I get paid? Can you, in making this decision, is this going to, if you leave a venue that you're comfortable at and you go to a new venue, can it help your career grow? Are you going to make more money? Does it create other opportunities for bookings at other venues? So, am I going to burn the bridge on the other end? Right. Am I going to burn this other bridge and this owner's never going to want to work with me again? Right. right. So I think it's important to sit down, write those questions down yourself, by yourself first, before you even acknowledge that number one support system, right? Because you don't want to be jaded in other people's opinions first. So you want to have your own thoughts and your own questions that you establish, then you can bring that to your support system. And then they're going to build upon those questions. Well, they're going to ask you things that you probably didn't think about. If you have surrounded yourself with people that are smart and have different perspectives and aren't yes people, they will come to the table with more very important questions that can add to the conversation. Yeah, for sure. So number three, long-term versus short-term, right? And how does this decision affect the short term? How does it affect the long term? And what am I looking for, right? Do I want to just book the most gigs, make the most money in a short time? Probably not, right? Right. Most of the time, the decisions we're going to make are for long-term gain or success or growth. And I think that's how you really have to think about it is, all right, I might lose a little on the short term, but does this decision help me exponentially on the long term? Right. And really thinking about that, like, okay, I might lose a little bit of money here on the front end, or I might lose a couple gigs on the front end, but on the long end, does this decision help me go DJ in other places or get into a venue that you really wanted to get into or whatever the thing that you care about most? I think a great example of this is when a DJ producer decides to hang up the headphones for a little bit to really focus on producing. Yes, they're going to lose money in the short term, but long term, they're production skills will get better. They're going to pump more music out and their, their name's going to get out there on the production side of things, which in turn will then hopefully help them long-term play bigger and better gigs. So I think that's a great way to, to look at long-term versus short-term. Right. Taking that time off is an investment in yourself. That's how you have to look at it. Right. If you take that time off to really focus on that one thing that you really want to do, if, if you're every day waking up and doing that one thing, it's going to help you reach that goal quicker than if you were juggling playing some gigs that you don't really want to play or, or wearing more than one hat. It like spending that, losing that short term, spending that time on that one thing is going to really, really help you in the long term. It, it, this, I can really, I can really relate to this when it comes to like my time management pre going all in on DJing and get down and moving to Florida and being able to financially do that because I moved out of the area versus 
being a soccer coach, a basketball coach, an athletic director, going to school at one point, um, because I went back to college for a semester, uh, running Get Down and DJing, like doing all of that stuff at the same time was not, right. you know, that, that, that did not have a, a good long-term effect. Like I couldn't be very successful in one of those things because I was just wearing too many different hats at yep. that time. So our business has grown exponentially, even though I moved away from the area, going all in on DJing and, 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 and our business has made us, I feel like, grow a lot. So yes, that was scary because it was t- losing a lot of money and moving away from the business and, and moving away from where the DJ gigs are, but it financially puts you, put me in a situation where I can be comfortable with doing that. So is that... So it was a lot of that long-term versus short-term um, decision-making, and there's a lot of like other stuff that went into it. And it was like, okay, this is very, very scary, and this might not work out. Yeah, but you you can't you can't knock it till you try it, kind of a thing. Yeah, like opening up that extra time where you weren't teaching and coaching and being an AD allowed us to really grow. Get down, right? And now listen, the pandemic, the pandemic kind of kind of helped because <laughs> we were all forced to to change up, but like. The same thing on my end, right? When I went full-time into DJing, it was like, all right, I'm going to leave this this job that I'm making a lot of money and I have benefits and I have a 401k and a car and expense card, like all this stuff. Some people are like, you're crazy. Why are you, why would you do this? And I'm like, I understand that in the short term, I'm taking this huge hit and I'm just going to have to live, you know, a lot more frugally here in the, in the beginning, right. but it's going to open up all that time for me to focus on DJ cream and producing and growing my relationships. And I haven't looked back, you know, I I was saying to, to my important people in my life, if it doesn't work out, I could always just go back to being a sales rep. I have that resume. It's always there. It's always there. So it is scary making this jump. Right. And it's, it's a big decision. And sometimes you look back, you're like, man, thank God I made that was the best decision of my life. If it doesn't work out, you could always go back to doing something else, you know? Right. So I think that's how you have to always look at it. There's always a fallback option if taking this leap of faith doesn't work out. But I honestly think most of the time it works out. It know? works out because you're passionate about what you're taking that leap into. Right. Um, and, and, you know, if you're passionate about it, you're going to make it work. No matter what happens, you're going to make it work. You're going to put the legwork in to make sure that you don't fail. Yeah. Um, and that's just... That's the nuts and bolts of it. That's how people survive on jumping into their passion. Listen, and I, I texted Kareem this on the train over here. I said, like, we're freelance artists. We don't look at ourselves like that enough, I don't think. We're like, you have to put the work in. And, like, if you don't put the work in, like, you're not going to make money. Right. You know? Um, yeah, we rely on bookers and we rely on owners to give us gigs and whatnot. But, like, we, we really work for ourselves at the end of the day. Uh, all of us, every single person that's a, either a DJ or producer, sure, you might get a paycheck from somebody, but you're putting the legwork in to make that happen, right? Yeah. So I think that's super important. Um, what, one more thing before yeah. we move on. When I made that jump, I looked at it like, I'm going to double down on myself because I think, I know that I can outwork the next person. I know that opening up all this time is going to allow me to you know, lap all these other DJs who weren't doing the things that I knew I was going to do, right? Right. All the marketing stuff, all the production stuff, all the networking stuff. And I always look at like the, the upside of running your own business and working for yourself is many times the amount of work that you put in is the amount of, of success or money that you get out on the, on the back end. And, and, you know, that part of it was always really important to me. So I think the, the next thing is going to be your safety net, right? And your, your literal safety net financially. Um, you know, you have to set yourself up just in case it doesn't work out or just in case you don't like working for yourself, just in case that's not part of something that is ingrained in you. I know for me, I was so used to structure. It was very, very difficult, especially during the pandemic, to like get into some kind of structure where all right, I have to I have to be held responsible for what I need to do. And it was and obviously during that time it was everything was changing constantly. So we we went through every quarter where it was like it felt like there was a new process, a new process, a new process. Yep. But I think, you know, that 
that helped for long-term looking at, listen, there's always going to be a new process, right? There's always new technology. There's always new equipment. There's always new something that you need to adapt and-, and New owners, new bookers, everything. New it's all, it's- Constantly it, changing. There's no, there's no real structure. It's not like showing up and, okay, I have to be here from nine to five, and then I clock out and I go home. It's not like that. I like think about all. my teacher parents, right? Like, unless they were changing roles in what they were doing- you go there and you, you have the same classes every day at the same times with the same students. And then the next year you change it and do right. it all again or next semester. Right. And you, you kind of, yeah, you deal with different situations daily because obviously you're dealing with kids. But um, but what happens is that you're still, you still have that very finite structure about like what your schedule is. And I think that's, that's yeah. the big thing. But to go back a little bit to what I was saying, but like make sure you're financially ready to make the commitment just in case, because if it doesn't work out, then like we said, you could always go back, but make sure you have that buffer zone where you're not wondering where the next yeah. you know, rent check's coming we, from. We really do need to have the financial podcast. I think it's a really important saying? part of being entrepreneurs and being DJs and running our own business. It's like, we don't have the 401k. We don't have an investment plan. We don't have some of the things that you would normally get in a traditional nine to five. So I think understanding what are my expenses? How much money am I making every month? How much money can I save every month? What, what makes sense as an investment? I think this stuff is all really, really important. If this is going to be your career and you plan on doing this for an extended period of time right. and financially, if, if you know you're making this big change, you have to be saving extra money just in case, you know, yeah. if you know that you're going to quit your, your cushy nine to five or your, your, your job that's paying you a good amount of money and you're going to go all in, there's going to be a few months where you're going to have to live below your means. For sure. And and leading up to quitting your job or leaving your job, you really need to save extra money. I think there's a really good way to look at this, especially this for our really, our really young viewers and listeners, is that like if you still live at home with your parents, you have a nine to five and you DJ, 100% of one of those incomes needs to go into savings. Yeah. 100% of it. I used to do it. I moved out and then moved back in with my parents in my later 20s, mid to late 20s, knowing I wanted to buy property. And I, like I said, I had all those different incomes going. And 100% of my DJ money went into my savings. And it was a, I was able to stack quickly. And then if I needed to, and if I wanted to leave teaching, I was able to do that because I had a bunch of money saved. And even if I wanted to move out, I could do it, right? Yeah. So like, think about it that way. Like just because you're making extra 30 grand a year DJing, you know, well, maybe half of that needs to go into your savings or maybe that your nine to five, maybe 100% of that needs to go into savings. You have to figure out what works for you, but there's no need to blow all that money. Like, especially when you're not paying rent. No. Right? You got to take advantage of that part of it. I think it's easy to, as a DJ, you're getting paid cash or check or whatever. You know, you have to take into account that you're going to have to pay taxes at some point, right? right? So you need to put some money aside for that. And you, I think the easiest way to save money would be to automate. Yeah. To me, that's the easiest way. And a lot of the, the banks, you can create a, a separate account or you can create an automation, which is basically just a rule that says every week or every other week or every month, X amount of dollars is going to get pulled out of your checking account and put into your savings account. And then you just don't touch that savings account. Yeah. And you get used to it. It's just another expense in your monthly expenses or your weekly expenses. Right. And you don't think about it and it's automatically coming out and you're saving money and it just, you get used to it. Yeah. As long as you, you work out what works for you and then you, then you could see like, okay, well maybe I had a, a couple extra hundred bucks uh, at the end of this month. Now I can switch that automation a little bit and you right. can always tinker with it. You right, know? you could change it. So I, I think that's a great way to, to look at it. And then our last thing was just plan B. We said- Yeah, you know, we've touched that's, on that's, it. That's a part of it. So you know, having that plan B and what does it look like and, and, and falling back on that if, if things don't work or if you don't like yeah. it. So yeah. These decisions, right, sometimes they might feel like hard, really hard. Like the, it's, this is terrible that we have to make this decision. Right. But- this is, this is life, guys. Like th These decisions are what can help you go from being an average DJ or an average business person to being an entrepreneur that's making a lot of money or is really successful in doing the things they want to do. So right. work through it. Go through this process. Really think about it. Really think about the pros and cons. Rely on your people. Go through the five things we just talked about. Right. And, and you're going to make a decision. And like we said, if it, if it ends up not working out or you don't like it, 
you could always make a change. Right, you know? for sure. You're not stuck with that decision. So. so a lot's been going on in the musical world, especially over the past weekend, but let's, let's get into a little music conversation. Yeah, I really, really wanted to talk about TikTok and, and music, and I want to pose the question, is TikTok the single most influential music platform right now? 100%. It's not even close. Like the fact that we all need to have TikTok viral crates in our Serato or in on our USB sticks just goes to show you that like this is the way our audiences are consuming music and this is how music is getting popular and this is why we need to have these songs in our in in our crates. So I think it 100% is the most influential uh, platform. Period. I think it's incredible the the impact that TikTok has had on music and what's popular and what we play as DJs. I, it really is like nothing I've ever seen as a DJ or someone who's been really into music for a long time. I, I have a question um, because you're prob- probably a little more ingrained in TikTok than I am. Like I know TikTok is used for absolutely everything, whether it be you know uh, recipes for uh, you know for cooking or. Uh, DIY projects and like how to's has the production side of uh, like how to has that hit TikTok big? Yeah, and, absolutely. And does it does it, you know is it something that TikTok is used as constantly? sort of a search engine at this point, right? Where exactly. people are using TikTok to go and learn and find things, and you know YouTube's great because it's long form, right? right. As a producer or learning how to DJ or any of that stuff on on. YouTube is probably the way to go for the long form stuff. But if you're looking for one specific thing, how to make whatever, how to make a chicken parm, how to make like the best chicken parm or, (laughs) you know, like how to, how to process my hi hats. Like you could find any of that. And it's really, it's revolutionary. It's, it's crazy to me. And you have to be on TikTok because that's where music is getting popular. And that's where you can, kind of kind of curate your your flow of the evening and curate your peak hour music based on what's popular on TikTok. See, that's like more where my TikTok con- consumption is is those like viral music, like getting to know like what the viral music is. That's why I didn't I don't production stuff doesn't come across my feed because it's just not something that I consume, you know, really ever yeah. there. Like I'll consume production stuff on YouTube because it's more long form. That's where I like to to watch that stuff. Um but I didn't know how that would how it translates on TikTok, like how how you could do short form production tips or, or, or things like that. And maybe that's something that you guys are working on or should work on uh, for your content. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many ways to create interesting content, and for us, the most successful content that we've really put out has been more so around specific topics and like you know thirty to forty five seconds teaching you guys something, you know. Right. Similar to this pod, it's like just short form clips of the pod have done really well. Talking about Ableton, like last week, our, our clips on TikTok did really, really well. Right. Um, part of that is Brandon helping us in creating those really viral, really interesting looking videos. Um, but I think creating that content and, and having really strong content is, is also part of it. If you're not following us on TikTok, guys, the Get the Get Down podcast on TikTok, I love please that plug. go follow us um, because I know I know a lot of you aren't yet. So make yeah, sure you go TikTok, do that. Instagram, go follow us the Get Down, yeah, podcast. The Get Down podcast. Brand new accounts. Yep, we decided to separate everything just to peel the current back a little bit. We decided to separate all the accounts because we are producing uh, a lot of content that is going to come out uh, of the podcast moving forward and to have it separate from, from, uh, the get down DJ group, I think is very important and beneficial. Um, so yeah, go check us out on both the get down podcast. There's definitely been an evolution on TikTok as well, as far as in this DJ producer world of like what's popular, where a lot of the stuff started as lists, right? Angela kid got really successful on TikTok with his lists. They're still great. They kill right. it. And there's many other artists that have been doing the same thing, but I think you're seeing, DJs and producers getting more creative and new ideas and what Danger Zone is doing. If you guys don't follow Danger Zone, huge shout to him. You know, he's been kind of going through taking video at the clubs and creating these really cool visually uh, visual videos, but then also talking us through how his brain works in, in the flow of the evening as far as what songs he's playing and why he's playing them. I messaged him like, 
dude, I think this is incredible, super unique. It's really helpful for DJs to get an understanding of what a touring, big, open format DJ playing the best clubs in the country is and how you're thinking about that. Yeah. And, and peeling back the curtain for DJs, it's helping the industry and helping DJs as a whole. And like, I love that. I, I would be interested to hear, I would be interested in anybody's perspective on how they think through a, a DJ set. I mean, it's it, you, you're right. That is super unique and not something that, I think we've talked about it in the past where we said that like it's we go on feel, you go on feel, you go on feel. But there are things that you're thinking about in real time. Right, there's cues that you're taking that you're from like, the audience. All right, well, this is why I'm doing that. Um, I, I know after a long period of time that all of this stuff becomes instinctual and natural, but it's really interesting to take a step back and be like, well, I'm obviously thinking about something when I'm playing these these tracks and why I'm playing the track. So that would be an interesting perspective no matter what kind of DJ you are. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it, it is such an internal and personal thing when you're playing a DJ set. So very cool. There's so many young artists on TikTok that I've followed and I've reached out to because I just think they're doing such an amazing job. And like, you could just see it in the growth of their pages, but also you're seeing them grow as artists because of what they're building right. on TikTok, you know? And there's work, of course, that goes into your skill as a DJ and all the music that you're producing. Like, uh, Matillo is one that stands out who his music's been really blowing up and he's been booking some really big shows. And I've talked to him, we've DM'd and I'm like, dude, I, like, we want to have you on the pod because I think what you've done is really interesting and really cool. And it's inspiring to other DJs and producers who want to get to where you're getting. You got there really quickly. Yeah. Uh, B. Ren from Pittsburgh, super talented DJ. He showcases more so his word plays and his technical skills. He's done an amazing job. We said Angelo and there's countless, countless other young DJs that are growing their business and blowing up because of TikTok. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's, it's not. So as you're saying, it's not only influential in the music industry, it's also influential in the DJ industry and the nightlife industry, because these guys are going from the bedroom or, you know, a smaller gig and, and they're, they're gaining recognition because of, because of TikTok. And, in a much more expedited way than they would have if they went the conventional old school route, right? Like it was a lot harder to to come up quickly in our like in in our generation, yeah. where now like if you do have that technical skill and you have the creativity to put your content out there and show people what you you know what you're made of and, and what you're about, it's much easier to escalate quickly. So yeah. Producing music and and growing your TikTok are probably the two quickest ways for you to grow as a DJ artist producer in 2023 yeah. and beyond. So 100%. it's it's insane. So on a on a on a higher level from this and and something that affects us as DJs, I'm finding that like some of the bigger artists like the Dom Dollas, like Matroda had a couple tracks that blew up, even Disco Lines, right? Yep. Where these songs are going crazy viral on TikTok like months before they even come out when are released to the public where we as DJs can actually go play them. I'm finding, and I don't know if you guys are, or you are, or you're at home or our listeners are finding this, but I'm finding that sometimes these big records that get huge on TikTok, like kind of lose their steam. They get released in real life and we start playing them in the clubs and it's like, they're played out already because you hear them every other TikTok. Right. Yeah. It's so this this has happened a few to a few of the tracks that I was really excited to to get in my crate and really excited to get to play. And then by the time it came out, like two or three months later or whatever it was, well, there was a Mochak song. There was a Mochak right? song that I loved and I love 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 to. And I was couldn't wait to play it because a lot of the people that I work with in one of my venues are, are Mochak fans. We all went to a show together, so I was like, oh, this will be so much fun when I play it. They'll be excited about it, but the track just fell flat. I yeah. never played it again. I played it once and it just fell flat because everybody was so sick of hearing it. It was played out at that point. It was the equivalent of like one of those radio songs that was played every half hour. You know what yeah. I mean? It's that same. Well, that's what it is. I think like, that's a great comparison. That's what, that's exactly what it is. It, 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 people just get sick of it. You're like, you're sick of just hearing it. It's like right. not this damn song again. I don't want to hear this. That's, that's crazy. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, I, mean, it, I think it's like Z100 immediately, you know, or whatever your local pop terrestrial radio pop station is, right? You know how they pl they would play, you know, you I know you're thinking of a song right now. So whatever that song is, like that's what it is. That's what the equivalent is these days. And it, it sucks when you get it, you finally get it and you can't play it. 
a lot of that's red tape that I'm sure is behind the scenes, um, you know, record label stuff that, you know, things, samples need to be cleared and things like that. Yeah. Um, well, I think the record labels are also using this as, well, hey, I see this is blowing up. Like, let's build a little, let's build a little anticipation on this track so that when it releases. I think they're learning too, though, right? Yeah, of like, course. What, what, how early is too early um, and how late is too late? Like, so there's that, that fine, okay, like, I could, we could put this out like two weeks before. Yeah, these aren't hopefully. independent releases that you can just alt, like, oh, well, we're picking up steam on this. We should put it out a little earlier. Like, these big record labels, there are months and months of right. scheduling and, and release plan that goes into this. Yeah, so they're figuring this out as they go as well. Go Some ahead. of the songs that come to mind for me, it's, it's really been more recently. So Drugs from Amsterdam, the Mal P track, was probably the first one that I saw that was getting a huge TikTok uh, love all over the place, all the big DJs and then all the smaller DJs kind of using that as like their track, right? Right, yeah. I think that one kept its its momentum a little bit once it released, but the Dom Dalla New Gold remix was one, was another one that kind of lost its luster. I, w- I love that track though. <laughs> uh, the Gimme That Bounce, the, the follow-up Mal P track, uh, kind of lost its luster a little bit right. when playing it out live. And then now there's a, a new Medusa record. I'm not really sure of the name of it, but it hasn't released yet. But it's literally in every DJ or producer's video on TikTok. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, what's going to happen when this actually comes out? Is this going to lose its luster like the last two kind of have? Are these la- So, like I said, I think the labels are figuring it out, too. And, like, if you're signed to these labels, it's like, well, if you're putting TikToks out, like, here, push this, push this record, you know, for the label kind of a thing. Well, I think there's a whole marketing strategy around TikTok right. and how to use marketing dollars – with but, with influential artists to help push music. I mean, that's a huge strategy. Right. That's a strategy you and I have talked about using for Get Down University. So right, if right. we're talking about using it, right. every record label is definitely doing it. Yeah, but now it's figuring out, like, all right, like I said, how to push this in a, in a proper way to make sure that doesn't get played out and that people still want to go and, and stream it or even buy it in a, in a DJ world. Yeah. Um, so, big weekend... Big weekend this week. Oh, New York City was New buzzing. York City. Speak, speaking of TikTok, every single video yes. for about two days was, <laughs> was. either Skrillex, <laughs> Fred again, and Fortet in Times Square or at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. It's incredible that New York City was the place kind of picked to do this for multiple reasons. I, I think that uh, – I could be speaking out of out of line here, but I feel like this isn't always the most attractive place for a big EDM artist to come play. Um, sure, like the Brooklyn Mirage is like everybody comes through, but like, is it starred anymore next to anybody's uh, on their on their tour calendar? Like, New York City must play. Like, I felt it. it we fell out of we fell out of um, popularity for a long time when it came to big artists coming through here because we, we started to lack big rooms because like we've said in the past, because like that Giuliani movement in the late nineties and all the drugs that uh, were happening in the clubs and things were getting shut down. We weren't seeing these top name artists come through. So to see these three guys come through and to hear that they're going to do the show at the garden and do this pop up in times square was like, kind of not revolutionary but maybe like maybe it makes it a lot more attractive maybe that star gets put next to new york city on the on the tour schedule well i think that was the cherry on top and i think it's been it's the culmination of the last couple years of new york city coming back we're seeing a few more big rooms in manhattan which there were literally like there was one that i could think of for a few years right right pre-pandemic and then coming out of the pandemic there was really nothing right this tech house scene was really blowing up in brooklyn a number of venues, you know, Brooklyn Mirage, Alan Gardner, there's some really, Shamanti, there's some really dope, bigger rooms in Brooklyn where all the artists were going to play. They weren't playing in Manhattan. I think we're starting to see those big artists playing again here in Manhattan. I think now, like I said, this, these pop-up and the MSG show is going to be kind of a resurgence for yeah. the artists coming back to New York. And yeah. it was amazing to see, I mean, there, there's... It's amazing to see the excitement not only in music fans and and dance music fans, but just like 
overall, the uh, the industry and the scene as a whole and the excitement there's people a, had. There, there was fans. a serious buzz around this this week. And I, the, the reason why I know that it wasn't just in the music industry or in the, even the house music um, forward people in, in my life, it's all like there was I have friends hit me up that like don't listen to house music at all. And they're like, did you see that the Skrillex Fred again Fortet? thing this weekend i said yeah of course i did they were like he was telling me like he's like i watched the entire Times square th- um Times square set and he was like it was just amazing and he's like it made me dig into full fortet albums and it made me dig into he's like i've been listening to all the freddie stuff and he was a previous skrillex fan but he's a, a my uh good friend's a punk rock fan first that's kind of where skrillex made his chops in jersey um, he was the lead singer from first to last, which was like an emo band, yeah, punk so, band. So my my friend that I'm I'm speaking of, they played they played in in a, a punk band as well, and they played in front of Skrillex back in the day in a, at the Wayne Firehouse, which nice. was like a big punk uh, spot, and that's kind of where he made his chops, and that's why uh, some people know about him that are outside of the house music world. Um, but like when he texted me, I was like. All right, this made some waves, like not just in the industry, but everywhere. Yeah. Um, sometimes, like I shut my, bl- I put my blinders on when it comes to like what what is reaching the masses, and then when people come to me about like things that I think are just very industry forward or very house music forward, I'm like, oh wow, okay, so this is like this was like a thing. It was cool to see like the buzz amongst our DJs as well, and that, that we use that as a gauge a lot of times too, right? What right. are our DJs buzzing about? They were buzzing about this, you know. It was. I mean, I, I'm going to go and watch the whole set for sure from from uh, from Times Square because Fortet's my Fortet's my favorite and always has. Always See, has like been. I couldn't name one Fortet song, and I was digging through Spotify, and I'm like, he's way more like indie house, melodic house. He yeah. he doesn't fit into this. No, he doesn't. It's but it's weird. That's but he like that's the, that's the music I consume at home. So I listen to all of his albums front to back. But like I like I don't really listen to Skrillex albums front to back. You right. know what I mean? So it, it all depends on taste, and I feel like he was a really nice addition where it was like maybe I don't really know who Fortet is, but now I'm going to go check out to see what what he uh, what he plays and what he produces. I think Skrillex is the most influential producer in dance music. Period. Period. And hold on, let me let me let me expound on that. This whole thing doesn't happen without Skrillex. Okay. I don't think it happens without Skrillex. I think all the Fred Again stuff has been amazing. I think Fred Again alone, maybe he sells out the garden. Could. Right. I think Skrillex brings not the the energy, the the hosting and microphone ability. And he just has that he he has that big room understanding of how to carry a big festival and a big show. He really brings that energy in his music and how he actually performs. And I just don't think that this huge thing happens without Skrillex. I think the pop-up portion is Fred again. Right? Could be. Like the, I feel like that's what he brings to the table. Like Skrillex brings you MSG. Fred again brings you Times Square. Um, Could be. I, it was super dope. Like, you watch the first portion of it and the, the bus that they're playing on in Times Square is shut down and they're all like hunched underneath. <laughs> and I th- they think that they got to play like that. And then the roof starts to come up. And Fred again, I believe it was, was like, holy shit, I didn't know it does that. <laughs> so like they were doing something that they didn't even really know, like they were fully into, like as far as like the bus and the equipment was concerned. It was really a, a kind of a funny thing being like, even these guys that are, these big, big, big artists don't aren't always super familiar about like how they're playing and what they're playing on, and, and so it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Um, but g- g- let's get back more into Skrillex and kind of what he's done over the past, you know, twelve years and his produ- because a lot of his production credits that you brought to my attention, like that I had no idea about. Yeah, so we all think of Skrillex, right? Usually when I think of Skrillex, I think of dubstep. Right. That's how I was introduced to him. I wandered into a random tent at Electric Zoo, probably 2012. And I I went in there because I wanted to see another producer who was playing after Skrillex. I don't even remember who it was at this point. (laughs) But I walked out of that tent and I was like, I didn't really know who Skrillex was, but he is, I'm like number one fan after this set. I was never into dubstep, but just... What he was playing, he was like maneuvering and bringing in these hip hop vocals and a lot of acapellas with this like crazy energy dubstep vibe. 
And I was like, I don't know what I just witnessed, but that was amazing. And the energy in this tent was better than any other performer that I saw this entire day. Simultaneously looking like a punk rocker at that that time. For sure. (laughs) So that was my introduction to, to, to Skrillex, but we've seen him grow as a producer and an artist where he had this similar excitement and vibe when him and Diplo did the Jack U project. Yeah. To me, one of the most exciting, cool projects that I can remember in dance music. And now he's doing it again with a completely different group of people right. in a completely different way. And in between these two really viral, huge projects, he's done production for, I mean, I can't even name all this stuff. Most recently, Beyonce on the new album, Energy, yep. my favorite track off the whole album. Yeah. Uh, MIA, Kid Cudi, obviously the Justin Bieber thing, which we can get into in a way that he produced the track with Justin Bieber that changed dance music as far as how producers were producing. Like pop dance. He like revolutionized pop dance at that time. Using a vocal chop or a vocal snippet as as a as a synth and as your your melody, like that really wasn't done in pop music. And then you saw right. every artist take that and and copy that, you know? Yeah. That was something that was really reserved in like the uh, what what I would call the live artists uh, space. Because um, I used to play with a live artist uh, where I DJ and he'd do his live performance, and he would do a lot of that same stuff where he'd pull a vocal and then he'd create a whole track out of the vocal. But it was done on more of this indie scale. It wasn't brought to the to the mainstream, and, and Skrillex did that with that track. There's really really cool video of Skrillex showing you how he and and it might have been it's Skrillex and Diplo, I think, showing how that melody was created or how that how they took the little vocal chop from Bieber and just like crunched it and and smashed the shit out of it and created this whole other thing. I, it's just so interesting to me. And again, like I said, kind of set the tone and set a whole new, a, a new style of pr- production. But let me get back to the list. So Jay Balvin in the ghetto, huge remix, yeah. played it in a lot of my sets. There was tons of remixes of it. Uh, Louis the Child, Don Tolliver, Lil Tecca, Juice World, Ty Dolla Sign, Lady Gaga, Zach Brown Band, Burna Boy, <laughs> Mar- Mariah Carey, and the list goes on and on. Just like Zach every Brown genre a, of music. Zach Brown Band's a wild, <laughs> like that's like randomly thrown in there, I feel. So he's been doing all this stuff that I don't think any of us really understand or know the scope of what he's doing behind the scenes, really in all genres of music as an incredible pop producer. I thought there was just this big gap between, like when Skrillex's name popped back up recently as more of an... Uh, an artist like himself featuring himself. I was like, Oh, Skrillex is back, but he never left. He actually never left. Right. He was just behind the scenes, not getting a feature or not getting any of that. Like he was actually just producing a bunch of records. All of those that artist credits, all those artist credits are after Jack U. Right. That's what so I'm like saying. So like 2017 to present. So there was no gap between, no. there was no gap. It was just, it, it wasn't the featuring Skrillex. It was the produced by Skrillex, right. which, which, you know, you're making a couple, probably a couple more bucks that way. Right, and he also took a back seat as far as performing and headlining festivals and, and all that. I think we're going to clearly see him move back into that world and be at the top of a lot of these festival headliners this summer. We just spoke about this at the top of the show where it's like sometimes you need to take a break from, <laughs> yeah. from the touring and the being Skrillex the artist to being Skrillex the producer so I can focus on doing the stuff that's probably going to make me some money. And then like you get that hankering. It's like, I need the stage again and I want to yeah. go back and, and be the guy. And that's what we're seeing. It was just really incredible to see. There's a, there's also a clip of uh, Skrillex, like just standing on the stage and they had like a little loop on in the background of just him, like thanking the crowd for being there and being like, this is incredible. We were hoping that the show would sell out by, by the day of the show. And he was like, Kieran, who Fortet came downstairs and was like, it's done. And he was like, what do you mean it's done? <laughs> He's like, we sold out already in the first hour of the show being live. I think not knowing, you know, the, that's, just, that's even like those guys don't know how big they are, right? Like they're, it's hard to gauge, like, especially when you're like just in a studio making music and you're cranking out and sure you get a lot of listens and you might get a lot of follow, you have a lot of follows or whatever, but like, you don't know, is that going to translate into Madison Square, selling out Madison Square Garden, right? Um, so it's kind of cool for them to, to One see. of the other really cool things is everyone thinks that like, 
tech house is really popular right now, so I need to produce tech house, or big EDM is really popular, I need to produce this. Like, these guys come from the most random backgrounds and have come together to form this crazy superpower. Yeah. And I think it's just really cool, and it opens up my mind to think outside the box. Think of think of what's not being done, right? Think of something that could be really cool. Just because it's not popular right now doesn't mean that it won't be popular. You can't start a trend. And I think that's so important in creating your, your persona as an artist and what you're producing and how you're DJing. Just go do what you think is cool. And sometimes you will set the trend of what's popular. Just don't fall in line with what's happening. And people... People really want to see something different and something cool. They don't want to see the same thing over and over again. Trends get old, right? That's why they're called trends. So like, if you do what you're passionate about, even if it's not popular, you're going to be a happier person and you're setting yourself apart from the next guy. And, you know, and then maybe you're setting the next trend and you're the next uh, Akris. Right. You know? it, it goes into the TikTok too. Don't jump in line with what everyone else is doing. Come up with something new and cool. And then other people are going to follow you into doing what you're doing. Do what Danger Zone did, right? Don't do what everyone else is doing. Right. I think that's a great rule to kind of live by and, and just in anything, not just business. It's like do what makes you happier, right. what you think is cool, not with what everyone else thinks is cool. And you'll, you'll be really amazed that you, I think you're going to be a happier person. You'll, you'll make music that you really like to make and do more things that you like to do. Yeah, I think it's great advice. I mean, that's that's how I live. <laughs> do do the things that, that you, that you want to do makes you happy. The Skrillex stuff gets me really, really excited and really fired up because I just think it's so amazing. Like, I'm just a huge fan I, I I actually went through the track list. I like went through 1001 track list and there's like 95 separate tracks. Now, a lot of those are layers and acapellas and, okay. and mashups and stuff, but like these guys played a lot of records. Yeah, I gotta I have to check it out. I haven't. I've yet. been trying to find uh, the actual audio and like I found a few on SoundCloud, but the quality is literally like someone recording on their iPhone yeah. type thing. So <laughs> they'll I don't be shocked if they drop like the, the live set and in, in yeah, don't be shocked if there's form. some other big, huge shows that sell out instantly all over the country. Yeah, definitely. All right, I think this is a great place to wrap. Definitely. Uh, anything we want to plug? Uh, again, I think first and foremost, please go follow us on TikTok and Instagram, the Get Down Podcast. Uh, shoot us a follow. We're really trying to grow those pages. All of our content from this show, that's where it's going to be. Yeah, like, comment, you know, help us uh, – Get some of these these uh, reels and these TikToks viral, just because I, I feel like we can uh, we can help a lot of a lot of young DJs, a lot of young and up and coming DJs, especially with this episode. So for sure. All right, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Get Down. My name is Cream Gary W. Peace out. Peace, guys.